Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. Good to see you here. Also good to know that we're being seen by those who are watching us online right now. And it's good for us all to be able to be together in this way. Today, I'm closing this series of messages about what it means to be part of God's story. And I told you the first week of the series that I hope this would be an introductory series that would help us get to know one another better as preacher and church. And in each of these messages over the last several weeks, I've been dropping some big rocks in the jar, big ideas that for me are really important that I promise will show up again in future messages. These are things I'm excited about, passionate about. These are things I believe that we as a church must continue to focus on. I mean, this is who I am as a preacher, what I've shared in this series. This is my favorite, best stuff. And if you haven't liked this series, I got nothing else for you. It's all downhill from here. This is as good as it gets. So let's wrap this series up this week. And I'd like to begin by inviting you to do some deep breathing with me. I invite you to take three deep breaths with me. Inhale and exhale. Inhale. Exhale. One more time. Inhale. Exhale feels better already, doesn't it? The Christian life has a certain flow to it that is illustrated and demonstrated every time we take a breath. God's story moves forward in the world when God gathers people like us, when God inhales us, and then God scatters us. God exhales us like a breath. We are gathered. We are scattered. We are inhaled. We are exhaled. We are part of the very breath of God. And first we're gathered. The beginning of the New Testament, we see that Jesus begins his ministry by gathering disciples, you follow me, you follow me, you follow me, gathering disciples who will form the nucleus of the early church. The Greek word ekklesia, you've probably heard of it before. Preachers love to use it. We get our English word church from ekklesia. Ekklesia simply means the called out ones. To be a follower of Jesus is to be called out by Jesus. It's the gathered ones. Ekklesia is the assembly. It's the gathering. To be a Christian It's to be someone who has been gathered by God for a purpose. To belong to a church, to be part of God's story means we have been gathered by God for a purpose. But there's more, way more to being a Christian than just attending a gathering. Even though we tend to emphasize the gathering, maybe sometimes we overemphasize the gathering. We spend a lot of time and energy and money planning and preparing and producing a gathering. 
But there's far more to Christianity than the gathering. We are also scattered. Throughout his ministry, Jesus would send out his disciples to the surrounding regions, villages, and cities where they would preach and teach and demonstrate the kingdom of God. He would scatter them. And then he would call them back. He would gather them again and ask them what they learned from their experience. There is the gathering and there is the scattering. There is the inhaling and there is the exhaling. And every week we come together here. We are gathered for a couple of hours, max. A couple of hours. And then we are scattered. And this happens over and over Again, it is the flow of the Christian life. But what is the purpose of it all? What is the purpose of all this gathering and scattering, this inhaling and exhaling? Well, if I can use another illustration from the body to explain. When blood is circulating through our body, it is pumped from the heart into the lungs where it is cleansed and oxygenated. Then it gets a boost from the heart and it is pumped out to the far regions of our body where it cleanses us, reoxygenates us, energizes us, and fights disease. And this is what happens every week when we come together. We gather and we are cleansed and oxygenated by the gospel. So we pray it and sing it, preach it eat it and drink it. And then we are scattered, sent out into the far regions of our world where we fight the disease of evil and we bring energy to others by sharing the good news of God's love. Gather, scatter, inhale, exhale. And which part of this process is more important? Which part is the most essential? The gathering or the scattering? The inhaling or the exhaling? Which matters the most? Well, let's try an experiment. I invite you again, everyone inhale, deep breath, but hold it this time. Now, without exhaling, take another deep breath. And again, one more time. Okay, exhale. I'm identifying all the smokers in the room right now. Now, exhale completely, empty your lungs without inhaling, exhale again. One more time. One more time. And it's a beautiful baby. Little Lamaze humor there. Sometimes it works. It's risky. Risky. Not to be too Captain Obvious about this, but when breathing... Both the inhale and the exhale are equally necessary if you want to do it more than one time. You cannot have one without the other. There has to be the inhale to have the exhale. And you can't inhale without the exhale. In the same way, the gathering and the scattering of the church are equally necessary. They're both essential parts of the Christian life. Now, having said that, the truth is the bulk of the work we do to accomplish our mission as a church does not happen when we're gathered for a few hours each week. Most of the work happens 
when we're scattered. Which, as it turns out, is also when the bulk of Jesus' ministry was accomplished. The Apostle Peter gives us a great one-sentence summary of Jesus' ministry in one of Peter's sermons in Acts chapter 10. It says in Acts 10, verse 38, he's telling the story of Jesus. He's talking about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And then how Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. This is one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus' time on earth. What did Jesus do? He went around doing good. Jesus was a do-gooder. And he went around doing good and doing battle with the forces of evil. And most of the good we see Jesus doing in his ministry did not happen at the gathering. It happened during the scattering. Yes, Jesus showed up in Jerusalem for festivals. He made appearances at the temple. He would teach in synagogues. He attended religious gatherings. But most of the good we see Jesus doing did not occur at those religious gathering spots. Jesus' ministry occurred in fishing boats, sitting at a table, during a party, or walking along the road from one village to the next, or climbing a mountain, or sitting next to a fire. And it was in these normal settings that Jesus was saying and doing important, life-changing, world-changing things. But from the outside, it, it all looked very normal. Jesus' kingdom of light overcame the darkness through everyday encounters and ordinary conversations with normal people, which is exactly how we accomplish our mission most of the time. Years ago, one of my favorite elders that I ever worked with, he made the point that in the Bible for every Moses or David or Peter or Paul, there were thousands of unnamed Israelites and Christians living normal lives behind the scenes. And he talked about how we never really focus on the normal people in the story. And he wondered if maybe when we read the Bible, instead of always trying to identify with the big name characters in each story, it's more realistic for all of our lives to identify with those nameless, behind the scenes character on the edge of the story, because that's more like the life we're really living. Most of us are not called to be a hero of biblical proportions. We're called to live normal lives as normal people, as parents and students and farmers and garbage collectors and accountants and doctors. Someone once said, I am a follower of Jesus, cleverly disguised as a mechanic. Yes, that's the work of the kingdom of God all around us and among us. are followers of Christ doing amazing things while being cleverly disguised as mechanics and baristas and teachers and coaches 
and accountants and lawyers. Maybe not lawyers. (laughs) This is the way the kingdom of God moves forward. Everyday encounters, ordinary conversations with normal people. In 1 Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul is addressing a group of Christians in Thessalonica, and he has this to say, beginning of verse 11. He says, make it your ambition to. And before I read what comes next, I ask you, what do you think he's about to say? He's talking to a group of Christians living in a city, and he's telling them what he thinks their ambition should be as followers of Christ. Make it your ambition to. What do you think he's about to say? And remember, this is Paul. The apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, church planter extraordinaire, rabid evangelist. Everywhere he goes, he causes trouble. He starts a riot. He's run out of town. He's thrown in prison. He's attacked physically. He's stoned at least once because he will not stop talking about Jesus. This is Paul, that guy. And he's about to tell a small group of Christians what he thinks their ambition should be in their city. What do you think he's about to tell them? He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands. There's some laziness going on in the church where he's writing. He said, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Make it your ambition, Paul says, to be a good citizen in your community, to be a productive member of your society. Live in such a way that your way of life wins the respect of those who do not follow Jesus, are not interested in the gospel, don't want to come to church with you, but they respect you because of the way you live. Because if they don't respect us in the way we live, why will they ever respect the one we follow? So we make it our ambition as followers of Christ, as a church, we make it our ambition to attract others to Jesus, to inspire others to follow Jesus with us. Not so much with our many words, but with the quality the quality of our lives, not just when we're gathered, when honestly it's easy to fake it and pretend to be better people than we really are. But also, and especially, when we're scattered. This ambition is echoed in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they judge you, they slander you, they still may see your good deeds, your way of life and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the way the kingdom of God spreads throughout the world. This is the way the story of God continues to move forward in the world. And if God is calling you to do something heroic, something huge, then by all means, get after it. Do it. Be true to God's calling on your life. Sometimes God calls people to do mission work in the most dangerous parts of the world. Sometimes God gives someone a vision for a ministry that gets that person on the evening news where they get to talk more about what God is doing in the world. 
But it's also okay to be normal, to live a quiet life out of the spotlight. You don't have to make headlines for Jesus every week to be faithful to God. You don't have to generate a lot of likes or comments on social media to prove you're actually following Jesus. Jesus said the kingdom of God is is like, well, it's like a, a mustard seed. It's the tiniest of seeds. You can barely see it. But it falls to the ground, it germinates, and it grows into a bush or a tree that can give shade to the whole yard. Or he says it's like a little bit of yeast that you put in the dough and it gradually works its way through the entire batch. The kingdom of God spreads through the everyday goodness of ordinary, normal people loving and serving others as the hands and feet and face of Jesus. That's how it spreads. And so as followers of Christ, we're always looking for the opportunity to do good. We want to be like Jesus. We want to go around doing good. We want to be do-gooders just like Jesus was a do-gooder. We're looking for opportunities to do good, which means we are observing where something is broken in our world that needs to be fixed, where something's not quite right, something needs to be mended, something needs the healing of God, and we do our best to bring about some solution to the problem, some healing. Just like Jesus would do if he were here in our place. Many times the good that we have to do that's right in front of us, we can do by ourselves. Just a single, individual, scattered Christian doing good. But sometimes God puts something on our hearts that's bigger than ourselves and we have to ask for some help. We have to ask for a partner or a group. There are some projects that are large enough, filling backpacks for school kids or gathering winter coats. Some projects that are large enough that we have to enlist the help of the entire church. We need as many people as possible to participate. Some of the most impactful ministries existing today began when a normal person saw a need and said, I think God wants me to do something about this, but it's too big for me. Anybody here want to help? This is how the work of God gets done in the world. This is how God's story moves forward in the world. And this is how God uses normal people like us to keep that story moving forward. I love these words from Teresa of Avila hundreds of years ago. She said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion must look on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is now to bless us. It's not that complicated. We overcomplicate it. It can be as simple, as natural 
as normal as breathing. Let's stand and pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We have gathered. Now, we're scattered. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.